Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another great edition of Beyond the Cover here. I'm one of your hosts, John Robb, and I, of course, am joined by my fabulous, good-looking co-host, Jeff Bears. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing good. Happy Tuesday and uh, happy 8 o'clock to everybody. Exactly. We started a little bit late just because tonight we're playing the Jack Taper interview, um, and he, of course, is the, can, uh, he's the, one of the lead, what did you say, like one of the lead reporters or consultants or well, he's the chief washington correspondent for cnn there correspondent not consultant yeah chief washington correspondent for cnn but the interview that we're going to be playing for you is 100 percent political free this is only about in fact i told him that right before i recorded the phone i sat there and i said hey this will you will have zero political questions from me this is all about you and your book and the writing and because that's what we want to talk about that's what we care about so if anybody wants to sit there and say, oh, I don't want to listen to Jack Taper from CNN, but, uh, yeah, well, it's about the book The Hellfire Club. It has nothing to do with politics or anything that he does on his show, interviewing, you know, whoever, whatever, what's going on. It has nothing to do with that. So put all that stuff aside for 15 minutes and listen to the man talk about his book. That's what I, that's what I just want to tell everybody. Well, and I was bummed that I was not able to join you with the interview. I was actually on a plane and uh, heading to Death Valley on vacation when yeah. you were doing that. So uh, you were, yeah, I and, so and, I, and, uh, <laughs> and and I was, yeah, and when I was listening back to it, um, you know, we were both on landlines. So, but it sounds a little echoey, like it's a like a little echo chamber, and I'm not really sure why. I couldn't really fix that part, but. It was done. We were both on landlines, and we just recorded the call. And so, but I think the call, um, you know, you can hear everybody fine. It's just a little. It just sounds like you're in a big room. I guess you want to say. You know what I mean? That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, for uh, those who are not familiar really, with the ahead. book, yes, I did, and uh, I liked it a lot. I'm a big fan of really good historical fiction. And people like Kelly Stanley, who we've had on the show, does historical fiction really well with the thriller elements. And uh, Jake, with his first novel, I thought he did a phenomenal job as well. It uh, takes place in 1954, and it's about a man who becomes uh, a, a representative in the House. And at that time period, he is battling you know, McCarthyism, and uh, he meets all these famous people that we know. And uh, it's it's a really nice look at history and also sort of an inside political aspect of a time that, you know, we weren't born yet. So he did an amazing job with the research and the writing. I felt like I was transported back in time. And the one thing that is going to be curious that I don't even know if you knew this, but he's going to he wants to write a series with this character. So he's going to write he wants to write more set back in that time period and move it along a little bit on the slower side with this guy. Um, so he said, of course, it all depends on how well the fans like the book and, you know, take the book. And I think you said it debuted at number three, right, on the New York Times? That's correct. Yep. Yeah, number so three on the New good. York Times. Yeah. That's a good start. And, uh, so that probably means it will be a series. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. I mean, you hit the top five for your first book. Probably going to, you know, 
uh, probably have a good chance of being a good series. So, yeah, so he, I think he mentioned that in the interview. I'm not sure if he said that after it was over because we did do some talking a little bit afterwards. Um, just And I don't know if I – I think I asked him. I think I asked him on the air. I think it was in the interview. Uh, so, but are you ready? Because you haven't even Let's heard it. it yet. Yeah, so you haven't even heard it yet. Great. Yeah. So here you go, everybody. Again, um, I, I, sorry about a little of the audio. I, I, it just sounds like it was taking place in a big room. Um, but here you go. Jake Topper, CNN, talking about the Hellfire Club. Enjoy. So first off, I want to say, Jake, thank you so much for joining us. It is an absolute pleasure to talk to you and, of course, to talk to you about your latest debut thriller, The Hellfire Club. So how are you doing today? I'm good. It's, uh, it's my honor to talk to you. Thank you. Oh, good. So let's start off here, and let's just tell everybody a little bit about what you got going on in the book and what they can expect to see. Well, it's a thriller that takes place in Washington, D.C. in 1954. Um the hero is uh, a young World War II veteran, uh, academic, thrust into a congressional seat, uh, and his wife, Margaret, uh, who is a zoologist. And they are just thrown into this world of Washington, D.C., and the swamp, and there are all sorts of real-life people uh, who are in the book, like Senator John F. Kennedy and Senator Joe McCarthy, President Eisenhower, and others. Uh, and very quickly, uh, Charlie, the main character, trying to do good, uh, enters this world of compromise and uh, gets involved in a big, dark conspiracy, and he and Margaret have to figure out how to get out of it. And why now do you think it was the right time for you to bring out your debut thriller book? Well, I was, um, I've been thinking about this book for a long time, thinking about some of the interesting parts of history that I thought might be intriguing to include in a thriller. And there was a lot, you know, they say history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And there was a lot that took place in 1954 that rhymed with 2018. A lot of things that were going on in terms of the Washington swamp, in terms of Senator Joseph McCarthy, who who had points to make, but things were buried under an avalanche of smears and lies. Uh, there uh, was, a, I mean, it just moment after moment while doing the research, I found things that resonated with things that were going on today, instances of, of events that took place in 1954 that, that seemed like, wow, that's exactly what's going on today, from uh, an immigration bill uh, to um, do debates about what needs to be done to protect the homeland, to protect the United States. So now seems like a good time. Yeah, it is kind of funny how you kind of see these things kind of come around in full circle, you know, even though, you know, even almost, what, a little over 70 years later now. So yeah, it is kind of funny when you kind of see that. Um, now, here's the other thing. Now, many authors also say that their main character speaks to them. So when does Charlie Martyr speak to you? Well, Charlie is, um, in a lot of ways, representative of, of what I see in Washington a lot, which is good people who come here to do good things and then inevitably end up making compromise after compromise. They start off small, and before you know it, they're big, and before you know it, you've completely lost sight of why you're here. You get caught up in raising money or accruing power or... Uh, being a loyal soldier to the party, or whatever. 
And it doesn't happen overnight, usually. It happens over a long period of time. And I wanted Charlie to be a sympathetic character. He's a hero from World War II. He has an amazing wife. He's a good person. He's a decent person trying to do right. But I wanted to capture uh, a lot of what I see in Washington, which is people um, selling off little bits of themselves, selling off little bits of their soul piece by piece uh, until they no longer know who they are and they've lost direction. Yeah, I, I, it's because it's when, you, when you read the book and you see it, you can definitely kind of, you've definitely brought that across, and I think that that was, uh, it might have been a challenge for a lot of writers. I don't know how much of a challenge it was for you kind of being in it a lot. So was that one of your challenges to kind of get that kind of point across to Charlie and kind of how it really kind of is in that setting? Yeah, I mean, that was that was a big challenge of the book is to, is to have somebody who the, root, the reader will like and root for, um, but have him um, enter this world um, sometimes by his own doing, by his own decisions, uh, and get caught up in, in things. Often, you know, there will be a thriller where somebody is just thrust into a world that nobody has any idea. It's just random that this person just got caught up in this web of intrigue, or or maybe he just looks like somebody who should have gotten caught up in a, in a web of intrigue, or maybe he's looking for it, like the Jack Reacher books. He's looking for intrigue. Um, but, but this is Charlie trying to do good and ending up in this world because he's trying to do good, and that was a challenge to write because um, I wanted the reader to, to still like Charlie and to keep liking him and keep rooting for him while also understanding that he had a hand uh, here and there in uh, what he uh, – into his future and his fate. Now, often secondary characters tend to surprise authors, and they always end up having a bigger voice than they originally – you know, than you had originally planned. So what secondary character for you kind of fits that bill? Um, a lot of them. Uh, first of all, it was, it was so – first of all, it was so fun. After I wrote the first scene where Charlie – and Roy Cohn, who's uh, Senator Joseph McCarthy's protege in real life, and also, by the way, went on to become Donald Trump's mentor, Roy Cohn. Um, writing the first scene with Roy Cohn ended up being so fun and one of the most fun scenes in the book that I then added another scene where he, Charlie has a, an exchange, a, a long exchange, a couple exchanges, actually, with uh, Joe McCarthy. Um, so that, that they kind of took on a life of their own, uh, because they were so fun to write. Um, and, um, I, you know, I think the more I wrote, the more important it was. Uh, well, from the very beginning, it was important that Margaret, Charlie's wife, be a strong character and be somebody that women readers could really like and identify with. And um, so that was always important. Um, but I don't think I appreciated how, how strong she would be. And in, in many ways, she's almost uh, a hero of the book, if not the hero of the book. Um, so, so that uh, that took effect as well. And then, lastly, um, Isaiah Street, um, who is uh, another congressman. He's a he's black, one of the only two black members of Congress at the time. In real life, there was only one, but because of fiction, I added a second. Um, and Isaiah Street, I made him a former Tuskegee Airman, and he ended up. At first, he was going to be kind of the conscience, conscience, Charlie's conscience, but then I ended up making him a much more complicated 
and complex character. So, you know, as as you know from talking to authors and, and from writing yourself, the the, the they, they you know these these secondary characters take on lives of their own. Yeah, definitely. Now, now the, now the one thing, of course, you, you sort of book back 64 years from now, and that can be a challenge just in itself because neither one of us are 64 years old. So, <laughs> how hard was it for you not to want to use current technology? Actually, that was it was a it was a huge relief. In truth, I started. <laughs> I, I, started I, I started writing this book uh, taking place modern day, and the truth of the matter is that cell phones and the internet ruin thrillers and, and plots in a lot of ways. They make they make it tougher. I wouldn't say ruin. They make it much more challenging because you can reach people every moment of the day. You can reach anyone, and also. You could do research on anybody any moment of the day. So setting it in 1954 actually was a relief, uh, in, you know, in addition to the fact that it's such a, a more romantic era and more fun to write about. It was it was it was fun that way. Um, I uh, and then I started noticing how many times in movies and books uh, people's cell phones either run out of battery or uh, they're like in the middle of the desert where they have no service that that becomes a thing because cell phones complicated plot, complicate plots so much. Um, then the other, in terms of how I kept 1954, how I kept it real, I had my parents read it and they would correct things. I, you know, a lot of editors read it. I showed it to a lot of friends and people would note um, phrases that might be too modern for that for that era. Um, so, but but the, but the truth is, it was it was a relief to not have the internet or or cell phones. Yeah, you, you do read a lot of thrillers where you find things that are circumstance by chance, and it's like, oh, yeah, you just Googled it. Okay, how difficult was that? You know, exactly. the characters don't have to work anymore, and I like right. and I like knowing that characters have to work. So, Now, every great thriller, of course, needs a great hero, but you also need to have, like, a ruthless villain. So tell us a little bit about your creation process with the villain in the book. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much because it's not obvious who yeah, the villain spoil, is. But just, yeah, just kind of like your creation with wanting to personality traits and things to get the right kind of person to to be the villain in the book. Well, there are a few villains. I mean, one of one of the villains is Joe McCarthy, and 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 I I don't think that's a secret to anybody that he would be one of the villains. But what I wanted to capture with him was um, that he had that there was a charm to him, that there was a charisma. Uh, and Charlie talks about that in the book. Charlie, Charlie notes uh, how he feels the, the power of his presence, and that was important to me. Uh, in terms of the bad guy or bad guys in general, I, I wanted their motivation to be um, more complicated than they want to get rich or they want power. I, I wanted their motivation to be, because this era, uh, the 1950s, not so different from today, but in this era, communists are trying to take control of the United States with spies. I mean, it's not as bad as McCarthy's making it seem, but there, there are spies. There are people, all sorts of people, doing everything they can to try to keep the United States safe and protected, and that includes developing the atomic bomb, more atomic bomb testing, um, McCarthyism, the Red Scare, uh, outlawing communism, etc. I mean. Everybody is doing something to try to make the United States better or safer, but their motivations are all over the map in terms of in terms of what they're willing to do and how far they're willing to go. So I wanted to make sure that the villains were motivated by 
something that they themselves thought was pure, that they think that they are making the United States a better place. It's not just they want to become millionaires or whatever, I, I, because that really was what the 1950s were about, different groups of people just debating the best way to have the United States safe and protected, and, and, uh, and they all just disagreed violently about what that was. Excellent. Now, what was your favorite experience in writing the book? Oh, that's a, that's, um, that's a good question. The one that was the most fun was um, I, I have, it, you know, all of this, last year, 2017, was the 100th year anniversary of John F. Kennedy's birth. So I happened to participate in a number of events where I got to meet John Kennedy's daughter, Caroline Kennedy, or Robert Kennedy's oldest daughter, Kathleen Kennedy, et cetera. At one point, um, I asked Kathleen Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy's, Robert Kennedy's oldest daughter, you know, I read somewhere that, you, that Joe McCarthy was your um, godfather. And she said, no, that's not true. That's been a rumor for a long time. But we were very close. Um, and she said it was because of tribalism, because of because um, they were Irish, and I, the Irish at that point uh, were still considered second-class citizens in lots of parts of the United States. Um, and, I, and then at another point, I read in Ted Sorensen's book, or John Kennedy's speechwriter, that so Ted Sorensen referred to Robert Kennedy or Bobby Kennedy. He referred to him as Bob, Bob Kennedy. And then I, I had Kathleen Kennedy's email at that point, and I said, is it, is it, did, did people call your dad Bob? And she said, yes. Which was a revelation to me because I've never I've never heard that, so I put all of that in the book um, just as information. Uh, and then at another point, I was at an event, a book event, and I spoke and I shared this little detail. And a different Bobby Kennedy daughter, a different Robert Kennedy daughter, Carrie Kennedy, was there. For she has a book uh, about her dad that's coming out this year. And she, when she spoke, she corrected me. She said, well, some people call them Bob, some people call them Bobby. And I went up to her afterwards and I said, <clears throat> well, just so you know, my source was your older sister. And as an older son and as an older brother myself, I'm going to defer to the oldest kid because they always know, they always know the most. Uh, and she laughed and that was the end of that. So that, that, was, the mo that, was, that was kind of fun. Nice. That's, yeah, that, that's the, and that's kind of a little cool experience you can kind of take away. It's, it's kind of not really – it's just like an experience outside the book that you kind of have no idea was even going to come. That's kind of Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So now, of course, the question everybody wants to know once the book is out, and I'll remind everybody that it's coming out April 24th, but once the book is out, everybody's going to want to know, are you working on the next thriller? I want to see I – have a, I have an idea for another one, but I, I really need to see. I don't want to be presumptuous. I have to see how people like this one. Uh, and if it is a standalone. Uh, I, 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 I no a series. I mean, I like Charlie and I like Charlie and Margaret. I like I think they're good characters, and I like um, I like the idea of of watching them age together and build a family together and put them in different historical times. I have a really I have a, a, an idea for uh, for one that would take place in the early '60s when John F. Kennedy's president. That that uh, I think would be a lot of fun, but. I don't want to be presumptuous. I mean, if people don't like this book and if critics don't like it, if people don't buy it, then there's no point in, uh, in, in, in writing a second one. Well, I mean, some of the early reviews I've seen, and I know that we reviewed it, and I, I think that you're definitely going to have a nice career if you choose to do 
as a thriller writer because you've done an excellent job with this book. So I want to thank you for bringing that up because it's always great to see, um, you know, new books, especially from authors like yourself, even though, of course, you're more well-known, but coming out and into the field because it, there's so much stuff out there and so much stuff across the noise that you have to try to get over. So I want to thank you for that. Well, you're very kind. Thank you so much. I look forward to reading the review, and, and uh, it means a lot to me that uh, that you guys and, and your readers might might give it a shot. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I want to. I know that you're busy, so I want to thank you so much for for joining us because it has been absolutely fascinating to kind of hear the inside of you know the work into the Hellfire Club. Now, where's the best place, of course, for everyone? Is it just jaketapper.com? Is the best place for everyone to just find out more information about the book? Yeah, jaketapper.com is a is a website that that can uh, bring you information um, and uh, and in terms of buying the book, in terms of reviews, in terms of any other information uh, about it, that's a good that's a good place to start. And April 24th, the book is available in whatever format people want to read, listen, uh, the book is available at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. All right, well, Jake, again, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful rest of your day. And um... that's it. I wasn't going to sit there. We did some talking afterwards, and I didn't really end it that well. Um, because he had to go, so I was trying to rush everything in. Um, but that was the that was the end of the interview. So I hope everybody enjoyed oh, man, it. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you. I mean, it, it's a fascinating, you know, it's a fascinating read, and and it's it, and it's a fascinating um, uh, concept, like you said, 1954, taking people back. And and again, the interview was politically free. Even though, you know, he brings a little bit of parallels up, like, you know, parallels to the 50s to now. And that was, you know, because mm-hmm. I asked him, like, why was this a good time, you know, to bring out the book? And he kind of talked about the parallels. And that was really interesting. So I thought it was a great interview. Um, so hopefully people will enjoy it and go out and get the book. And, again, you know, put your, uh, you know, political beliefs behind and just read a freaking great fiction book. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, that's well, what it's and about. The it's 1954. That so, is, uh, so guess what? Geez. Yeah, so you know what? It's 1954, so it's Trump-free, it's Obama-free, it's Clinton-free, it's Giuliani-free. None of those people are in here, baby. Just <laughs> a freaking thriller fiction book. So I think that's awesome. It was Eisenhower who was president at the time. So yeah. Yes, it was Eisenhower. Um, so real quick, let's talk real fast here uh, before we get off the show tonight because uh, we both saw Infinity Wars, and that was a massive – uh, there's probably the biggest movie coming out this year, I would think, except, you know, I mean, Han Solo's coming out and Deadpool 2's coming out, so the superheroes and, the, of course, the Star Wars universe is always big. Uh, but Avengers Affinity War, this is, what, a eight- to ten-year run-up on, uh, on this, starting with Iron Man 1, and this was like the culmination of the movie, and, you know, leading to this climax. And... Uh, so what did you think of the movie, Jeff? And this is going to be spoiler-free, so if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We're not going to spoil anything for you. So, Jeff, what did you think of it? Well, I had to say going in that I was sort of hesitant. Even though I'm a big fan of the Marvel films, I was concerned because you're looking at so much history going into them, and they had built up to this. Like, how can you live up to what you've built up to? And I gotta say, they did a phenomenal job. I really liked it a lot, and yeah. I had so much fun in that theater. I couldn't believe two and a half hours flew by. It did. And the one thing that always gets me in movies like this is when you have so many characters and so many things going on. 
you know, like if you're a Thor fan or an Iron Man fan or a Spider-Man fan or a Black Panther fan, you're not going to get, like, all of that into one kind of thing. I mean, you're going to get a little of everybody. Um, you know, I liked it where it was like, you know, it was like three different places and things going on, and then they all kind of come together, you know, at the end. But you kind of see how everything is trying to lead up to, you know, defeating Thanos and, you know, getting the Infinity Stones because that's what this movie is about. I mean, that's not a spoiler is he's trying to mm-hmm. capture and get all the Infinity Stones so he can um, do what he's got to do. And that's what the movie is. So uh, I thought Doctor Strange was really good. I mean, I thought everybody played their characters phenomenal in, um, in the movie. And I thought that the movie was extremely entertaining. And, yeah, it's something I think people should see on the big screen, too, because it's, it's just really it's – re- it's just really – great movie to watch because it looks so beautiful too i mean let's not let's not forget that i mean it's just beautifully to look at um yeah they they did they used imax cameras for the entire film which was surprising and so when i saw it on the big screen it's like whoa and it 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 does it's a movie to be seen on the big screen yeah it pops or unless you have maybe like a 4k when it comes out or something you're still going to get that pop but, yeah, it's definitely one that you want to see that pop because it's not only beautiful to look out, the sound is really great. They put it together. Is it the best Marvel movie in the chain? No. No, not for me. I still like, and I'm just going to say, I still think Captain America Winter Soldier is my favorite of, the, of, of all of them. Um, and then I think like Iron Man One uh, was a really good one. I, I'm I like the Thor movies. Uh, I think the, the the Thor movies were good. Um, I thought the especially uh, Ragnarok. I thought that was a really good movie. Of course, Black Panther uh, was outstanding. Um, but I'll tell you, this is a top three or four. I think without a doubt in the line. I would agree with you. Um, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Thor: Dark World. But, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. This is definitely in the top, I'd say, three or four. Yeah. And it answers some and, questions. And, yeah, they just did an amazing job. But then job. it asks Holy some cow. questions. Hmm? You know, I will say, if people thought that the Marvel series was going to end after this movie, nope. It's not doing <laughs> that. That's the only thing I'll tell it's not like it's going to be over. In fact, they've already announced that, of course, they're filming Avengers 4, so you know this is not the end. I mean, the story's going to go on and continue. Um, but well, they did I them both at the that, same time. Huh? They filmed them both at the same time, is what I understand. Is what I, yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think they did most, a lot of 4, but I still think there's going to be some reshoots and things like that that are probably going to change. But, yeah, because it comes out next year, so you can't, you had to have kind of done that together. I think that's how they did the Lord of the Rings, too. That's why they were able to bring them out every year, because, I mean, mm-hmm. those things are a massive undertaking on post-production, far more than just the filming part. That's the short part of it. It's everything else that goes into it after the fact that they got to put together to make it look right. I mean, so that's where all the work and the time and the effort goes into. So, um, but I have a bold prediction. The, okay. My bold prediction is that... Uh, it's currently set for the first weekend in May for next year to come out. They're going to move yeah. it to April, the last weekend in April again, like they did this time. You think? Because Captain Marvel oh, comes absolutely. out in March, and that's the lead-up to four. Well, they did that with Black Panther in February. They did, Black, yeah, Black Panther was like a February, like late February and then April. So, But Captain Marvel is going to come out like a month or two before 
Avengers 4, so you, people want to make sure that they you want to make sure that you watch Captain Marvel too leading up to uh Avengers 4 because uh, my daughter told me she goes you didn't see this movie or this one yet you got to go back and see it you got to go back and see it and i was like okay so you know you had the kind of i would say you you should probably watch civil war and you should probably watch you know spider-man homecoming um before you watch this movie because there are some nuggets in there and even the guardians of the galaxy one i mean there's some nuggets in those movies that you know it, it, if you don't watch them are you going to be confused No, No. but it's kind of like getting into a series in book five, and then they make a reference, and then you're like, "What was that?" Because you don't really know, even though you know they they say these things are standalones. A lot of people like to read them in order so you can catch all those underlining things. But it's kind of like that. I mean, you can jump in with book five, but if they do make a reference to the past, and you're like, "What?" You might not get that, but it's a short, fleeting moment, and you can kind of get through that. Yeah, no, I I would say. If you haven't seen them all, this is still fine. But um, yeah. you'll definitely want to go but back go watch and see them. them all. Yeah, go back and watch yeah. them all. Without a doubt, so. Well, hey, man, it's been fabulous. We'll be back in a couple weeks here. Um, what is it, the 22nd, I think, we're going to be on the show? And uh, yeah. we'll be back then. So, all right. But this was great. great to be able to have Jake on. And, you know, that was a, that was a fantastic interview. Um, still waiting to hear, if, you know, I'm going to email Jeffrey Deaver again. He had said he wanted to do it, and then – I think he might have went on his book tour, and he, he kind of went dark for a little bit, so I'm going to try to get him on. And I'm also trying to get John Conley on to talk about his um, latest Charlie Parker book. It's just trying to get the timing right because he's back and forth from the United States and Ireland, and trying to get that timing down is is a little difficult, so trying to work on that. But seeing if we can get these guys on um, Tuesday nights would be great. Right, um, and then uh, in June we've got uh, British author Adam Hamdi coming on, and we also have Kate Carlisle and Alan Jacobson. Kate Carlisle. So, yep, yeah, yeah, Alan Jacobson. Uh, he just got—he's the newest one we just booked. So, people always, you know, know Alan as a fantastic interview. Um, so definitely make sure you guys check that one out. It's good to see him back out. He hasn't—I don't think this is his first book in a couple years, isn't it? It seems that way. Yeah, looking forward to it. It seems like it's been a while since he's been on. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, my man, it's always a pleasure. Wish you nothing but the best, and we'll see you in a couple weeks, all right? All right, sounds great. Good night, everybody. All right, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. And like we always used to say, or like we always, not always used to say, we said it last two weeks ago, keep reading. See you all next time.